My name is Sivia Cohen. I'm the founder of 14 Minds, a marketing agency that specializes in developing strategic campaigns that help nonprofit organizations connect with their audience. I've had the privilege of meeting some inspirational nonprofit leaders and doers who have devoted an untold number of hours to achieving their mission. Many of these incredible individuals have shared a similar frustration with me along these lines. No one knows what we really do, not even our own volunteers. It's so hard to explain all of our different services. People think our organization is a lot smaller than it is. That's why I created this podcast, to give non-for-profits a platform to share their mission with the world. I hope these conversations inspire you as much as they inspire me. Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to have with me today, Sherni Steinmetz. She's the founder of My Extended Family, an organization I'm really excited to learn more about. And she's also the CMO of Lucida Services. Thank you so much for being here. How are you today? Hi, Tavia. Thank you. I'm doing great. Thank God. I'm so honored to be here. I think this is like only my second or third time being on a podcast. So out of my comfort zone. Well, thank you for doing it. Lucky me. I'm so excited. (laughs) This is going to be fun. So can you tell me, let's just start by just telling me a little bit about the organization. Okay. So my extended family was started actually while I was a single mom. I felt like we live in such an amazing community where we have services for every kind of person, children that are sick, anyone that struggles with anything. We really, our community really lends itself to being a community. And I felt like when it comes to single parenting, there really wasn't much support. So I was a single mom with three children and I decided I had to do something. So my extended family started we never had any idea what we were getting ourselves into. We didn't realize how great the need was until we jumped in. Basically, we started about almost nine years now. I brought the idea to Rabbi uh, Yossi Bigler, who's the rabbi of Mine Israel in Flatbush. I'm very close to them and his wife. I actually credit where I am today to them. They really guided me. And I basically said, like, we have to do something. And it was right before Hanukkah time. And he was like, you know what? Let's do a Hanukkah party for single moms and their kids. And great. We decided we'll do it in his house. You can imagine his house in Flatbush, Rabbi. It's not that big. And we thought, like, we'll have, you know, 10, 20 kids. Like, how many kids are we going to have? Anyways, we put the word out. It was just the word of mouth. And before we know it, we had over 300 children signed up. Oh my gosh. Okay, now what? (laughs) Wow. Um, So we took a haul and we threw this huge $25,000 party, which we had no idea where we were getting the money from. Like we laid out the money, but we had no idea how we were going to recoup it. And that's how my extended family was born. That's incredible. Yeah. So that's how we started. Today we operate in Flatbush, Front Heights, Muncie, Five Towns. Uh, We just opened in Teaneck. And we're on track to open probably about another three locations within the next year in the tri-state area. Uh, the kids come once a week, obviously we separated boys and girls. They come once a week to the center, whichever in their respective center in their town. They're provided with social work staff, a big brother or a big sister. So basically like a mentor within the yeshiva or the staff of kind of system. It's a high school girl or high school boy that kind of becomes their big brother, big sister. They're served supper. They do activities. Uh, we provide, we take them on holiday trips. We make sure that any need that they have is filled. If we see a kid that comes in without a coat, we will take care of that. We take care of school supplies. We get involved when children are struggling in school. We provide tutoring. Really anything you can imagine when it comes to the actual child, we step in and cover. 
That's incredible. And that's, that's really fast growth. I mean, in nine years to have gone to so many locations, that's, that's really unusual. How much of it is staff versus volunteers? So the staff is basically everyone except for the big brothers and big sisters. Actually, I should take that back. We have a lot of moms who cook suppers, families in the community. We have people in the community that volunteer to give rides to, you know, to the kids, to the programming. Um, but basically, our staff consists of program directors, social workers, assistant program directors, um, the rest is volunteers. What are the ages of the kids in the program? So they run, depending on location, between six and seven, all the way up to 12 or 13. We are really, really working very hard on coming up with a team program. It's our next big project. We get a lot of requests that when the kids graduate from the program, then what's next? Interestingly enough, we have our first two kids that were part of the program that are now big brothers and big sisters. Wow. One of them is my daughter, and we have another one, a boy, who graduated from the program and is now giving back, which is really, really beautiful. That is so special. I love that. Wow. So you're a very busy mom. You're running a company. How how do you do all this? How does this organization fit into your life? (laughs) I guess you don't sleep much, right? So I have a lot of help. I couldn't do without that. Like I, my, I have big kids, you know, I have two teenagers, two teenage daughters who are amazing. I do have full-time help at home. My husband is super hands-on. I guess it's all about finding time for what's important. My kids are priority. I would say organization and business are neck and neck. In the business and in the organization, I have amazing teams. And um, I've learned to really, you know, give over and allow other people to do the work they need to do, or to micromanage, that makes it a lot easier to know that, okay, I trust my team, like, to get it done. So when the running of the organization, what would you say your primary role is? So actually, when I started, I was doing everything. We opened the Flatbush, I was literally doing everything, like setting the tables, everything. At this point, I have a huge team, so I've really transitioned into two roles community affairs. So I basically am the community liaison between the community and the organization, between other organizations and our organization. I also do a lot of the fundraising. Wherever I can help, I do step in. But those are my two primary functions at this point. Awesome. Okay. So tell me, like, if you have, is there one specific story that kind of sticks out in your mind, something that was like really special moment to you and anything like that that you can share? Sure. I'll tell you one story. We had a child in an organization that was sadly thrown out of school for lack of payment. And that goes on actually a lot, you know, from the Shiva system. They're not, so, uh, they're not so easy about not getting paid. And therefore, a lot of times we do get phone calls that kids are kept home or not in school. And when we did find out, we figured like we got to step in, we got to get involved. And there were two things. Number one, getting the kid back into school. And number two, paying up. We ended up making a phone call to a donor and he fully stepped in, fully paid up. That child is back in school after being out of school for six months. Six months. See, a lot of this is about pride. Like sometimes the parents don't tell us. So it's our job to try to find out. But sometimes, you know, that falls through the cracks. And um, the parent didn't want to say, you know, shy to tell us or was embarrassed. And when they finally did, there was a huge bill wrapped up. I think it was three years of tuition that wasn't paid. And at that moment, I felt like, how amazing is our community? I made a phone call to a man who doesn't know this boy, who doesn't know this family, just 
said, okay, listen, this kid has got to be in school. I'm stepped in. Today, the kid is doing amazing, caught up. We made sure the child has tutors. He's caught up. He's doing amazing in school. And, you know, that changes the kid's life. And stories like this that literally go on every day. When you're able to see that transformation, you know, when your child's not feeling well and you get to the doctor or you get Motrin or whatever, and the next they're feeling better, you can see that transformation. And that's what I, what keeps me going is actually being able to see a child who is out of school for six months, clearly having issues socially because they're not in school, falling behind academically. And then within a few months, being back up to par, being popular in their class, having friends, doing well academically, doing well emotionally. I mean, what more could anyone who runs any organization ask for? That's amazing. So I'm curious, in a situation like that, how do you decide who to call? Is it based on prior relationships or the experience of the person? So we're really lucky enough to have a group of supporters and donors that really back us. I'll be honest, when we started, it was not easy. I went to people, I had some connections from the business I was in then. I was broker real estate and had a lot of clients then. And I would go to them and say, hey, I need your help. And a lot of them would be like, listen, we give a tremendous amount of tzedakah, but we don't want to get involved in divorce cases. Like the two parents got divorced, figure it out. Like, why is this my problem? And it was really hard. I got told no many, many, many times. Today, Baruch Hashem, we really, listen, fundraising is always a struggle. I'm not going to tell you we just make phone calls and fill our $3 million a year budget. No, it's a struggle. But the community has opened up so much more and actually recognizes how big this need is. And they step in. So, yeah, I do have certain donors that I know have a feeling for a child who wasn't in school. Maybe they got thrown out of school. Maybe they didn't do well in school. So I will call that donor for that thing. Or if I need money to help pay for therapy for a child, then I'll call a different donor who maybe has a feeling for that. So it's really about relationships, knowing your donors, knowing your community, and then figuring out what works best. Sometimes all I have to do is put on my WhatsApp status. We had a child that couldn't get into sleepaway camp also because there was no money. And really this child could not be at home. Like it just was not healthy. And I put it on my WhatsApp status two weeks before camp. And within one hour, we had it paid up. So, you know, you never know where the money's going to come from. What do you credit the change in attitude? You said like over the last 10 years, you really feel like people are more open to helping. What, what do you think that's about? Awareness. I think we've done, I think our team, has done a tremendous job within the firm community, opening up people's eyes and showing them, yes, two parents did get divorced. But at the end of the day, the child is innocent. The child did absolutely nothing wrong. You don't want to help with a parent's lawyer bills. I get that. You don't want to help pay for the parents, whatever, any of their needs. Like, I totally get that. But this child is innocent. And I think the communities come around to recognize that. And I do credit a lot, a lot to our team. I credit the community for being open-minded enough to hear us and to listen and to take a, you know, they took a chance with us. We were new and they took a chance. So I think that's, you know, I think also social media plays a huge role. Single moms or single dads for that matter, you know, they get onto social media, they talk about their struggles and they talk about their triumphs. And, you know, that, that always brings awareness. So that's a huge, it's, true. Uh, it's, a it's huge an easy, well. cheap way to kind of to share and, and yeah. make people feel connected to a situation where maybe yes. they wouldn't have. Yeah. They didn't really have that so much before that. Well, actually, when I was divorced, I didn't know too many other divorced girls. Like I really didn't. And uh, I think a lot of that had to do with social media. Amazing. I love that. 
What would you say is your biggest challenge running the organization? So it seems like you've overcome certain challenges now, but I'm sure there are new ones. I think there's two big challenges. Number one is finances. I think for any non-for-profit, finance is a huge struggle, especially for an organization that's trying to grow. And we have such big dreams and hopes and goals for these kids. And, you know, it requires a lot of money. So finance is definitely a big struggle. And the second struggle is really getting in every child who can use these services. Sadly, there's way more children out there than we're tapping into, even though we see approximately 400 children a week. But there's still a tremendous amount of kids out there because of the stigma, because of the parental stigma, or the child doesn't want to be stigmatized. So they're not joining the program. And I think that's, you know, it's a challenge. And we try very hard to reach out to the community and to the community. We're not looking to make these children different. We're actually trying to show them that they're the same. And when we bring them all in a room together, they feel the same as another child. And that empowers them. So that's definitely something that we work on and something that's been a struggle from day one. It's definitely gotten easier. So how do you work on in a situation like that where you know the child needs help and they just are resisting? What, what can you do in a situation like that? So it's hard because with the child, we don't have that much influence because usually it's a child didn't come into our program yet. So I'm not influenced over the child. I can only plead to the parents, either the mom or the dad or both and say, listen, your kid needs this. And your kid will grow from this. There's not a doubt in my mind. We've been around long enough to have proof of concept. The children that join our program walk out way more confident, secure, much more emotionally aware of themselves, aware of their surroundings, aware of their struggles, learning how to deal with their struggles. So we really plead to the parents. Obviously, once the kid is in our program, we try to think over the last nine years, Maybe, maybe there were five kids that joined our program and left because they felt like, oh, they don't want to be part of a divorce crowd. But in general, we don't have that. The program is so much fun and there's so much love that goes into it that these kids are anyways craving that they love to be there. So it's really just getting them in the door. You know, that's really mostly the parents that have to help us with that. So it's like a partnership. We're definitely, we actually especially being that I was a single mom and we have a lot of our team that were either come from single parent homes or are single parents themselves. We work really hard to make the program respectable. It's not a Nebuch program. It's a place where kids come to feel safe and secure and know that everyone else in that room gets it. Like they understand them. And so then when they walk out that door at the end of the evening or at the end of the program or whatever it is, they feel so much more confident. How much do you feel like your own experiences as a single mom really kind of set up how you founded the organization, how you run it on a day-to-day basis? You know, has it evolved beyond that? So it definitely started out that way. That was the only experience I knew. I come from, my parents are still married. You know, I don't have really divorce in my family. So the first exposure I had to divorce was being divorced. So I definitely used my experiences or what I felt my kids needed or my kids lacked to sort of jumpstart the program. As the organization grew, you know, I was introduced to so many other single parents and children from single parent homes and started to figure out what their needs were. And then, you know, slowly brought in those things within the program. So yeah, definitely it started based on my own experience. But today, 
No, you know, and, and here's the thing, because we operate in so many different communities, every branch is a little bit different based on what their needs are. I think every community has their own challenges, their own struggles, their own um, advantage points as well. You know, so let's say in some communities, we can get people in the community to cook suppers. In some communities, that's really difficult. And so we order it. In some communities, the children need, let's say, a Hanukkah program. And in some communities, there are so many Hanukkah programs already that they don't need it. Right. So it's really a case-by-case basis. Right. Right. Yes. So this is my question. I love asking. I know I ask it in every single podcast, but I I just love hearing the answers. If someone were to hand you a blank check or just a huge sum of money and say, you know, this is you for you, for your organization, go do whatever you want. What would you do with it? Gosh. Um, So for good or for not good, I don't know. I get phone calls from all over the world, literally asking us to open a branch in their community. And I think if I had a blank check, I would hire the proper team and open up in every major town in the world so that we can ensure that every child that's struggling with being in a single parent home has the support they need. That would be hands down. That would be the first thing I do. That sounds amazing. Hopefully someday, if anybody's listening. (laughs) Um, If someone wants to get involved or contact you either to help or because they need something, what's the best thing for them to do? So you can reach out to either of the organizations straight through the website, which is www.myef.org. I'm on Instagram. I'm not hard to find. Instagram is probably the best way to reach out to me personally, the organization through, through the website. I'm really accessible. I love hearing from other single parents. I'm here to listen to their struggles. I'm here to share my experiences. And I'm here to be a support in any way that I can. You know, I... I was a single mother for seven years with three little babies. And I always promised, like, I had a pact with God. I literally had a pact with God. Like, take care of me. I will give back. And I'm remarried, thank God. I have a wonderful family. I have two babies. Um, I'm married for almost six years. And I really feel like I've done my part. I'm not done. My goal is definitely to continue to give back. But I think more than that, I think I've empowered others to give back. And, you know, people who go through struggles think like they can't give. And what I really, really try to do is to tell other people are going through whatever struggles they're going through. Giving back to the community does not mean you have to give money. Giving back to the community can be in so many ways. You can smile at somebody and give them back. You can offer a service. You can make a phone call. I mean, there's just so many ways you can get involved in an organization. There's so many ways to get back to the community. And any single mom or dad who has called me and asked me for advice, this is the number one thing I tell them. Give back. You will see that, number one, you'll feel better about yourself. Giving makes you feel better. That's just fact. And it doesn't take away from the mitzvah, by the way. And besides for that, it protects you. It gives you a shield. Like, I grew up in a Chabad home. We learned Tanya. And something that always stayed with me was the Balatanya talks about giving tzedakah and how when you give tzedakah, it creates an armor around you as it serves as a protection for you. And as a single parent, that's probably what I felt the most. I felt like hanging in midair and I didn't feel protected. I didn't feel safe. And so when I learned this, I felt like, okay, this is my way. This is what's going to make me feel safe. 
and it actually works. So this is what I tell people, like find a way to give back in whatever way you can, and it will serve as a protection for you. I'm speechless. What you just said, that's amazing. I need to like write that down and I think we should all have it hanging up on our wall. That was incredible. I'm very humbled. And I think we'll leave it at that because I don't even think that there's anything I would ask on top of that. Wow. Thank you so much. I really look forward to putting this up there for everyone to listen to. Um, so thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Tavia. I really appreciate it. It's amazing what you're doing. Keep it up. I think it's important for people to see that our community has, especially with all this bad press surrounding our community, I think it's amazing for people to see how community-driven we are and how much we Absolutely. give back and how much of a better world we make the place that we live in. So really, thank you for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Sure. Good luck. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Change the World podcast. If you have any feedback or comments, or if you are a nonprofit leader who is interested in learning more about how 14 Minds can help you, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me by email at sivia at 14minds.com. For more nonprofit content, follow me on LinkedIn or visit 14minds.com to subscribe to our mailing list.